Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. Thanks for uh, joining us. It's been a little while. Uh, welcome back from the hiatus, uh, Josh Newberg, Chris Nee. Good to see you again. Uh, glad to have both you guys here. How you doing? Good. Doing great. Doing great. Ready for camp. Did you uh, did you miss miss seeing my face on the Skype, Josh? No. Okay. All right. So we got a lot to catch up on, a lot to talk about. Um, it's kind of been a little bit of a, a lull for the last week, but since we're kind of date backtracking about two weeks or so, we got a lot to talk about. So let's start off with uh, let's start off with quarterback talk. That's something that when we do these recruiting podcasts, I think kind of always is something you guys are interested in. And, and there's plenty to talk about with uh, FSU's main man. And that's Justin Fields. Uh, Chris, you saw Justin Fields at the opening live, and, and he he killed it. He became the number one player in the country in the twenty four seven rankings. I guess what did you see in person there from him that kind of you know, that, that you saw that kind of made it justified for for our site to put him up at number one? It was a quarterback that was in total control at the event. Whether it was the individual stuff or when he was seven on seven team, he was in complete control of what he's expected to do in that setting. He led that seven on seven team. I mean, they rampaged the competition. It wasn't close. They really didn't have a tight game outside of. I think the semifinals was like a one touchdown game. He was in complete control, dishing the ball, you know, hitting all parts of the field, doing different things. And seven on seven, usually a guy kind of finds like a comfort zone, whether it's short passes, the deep ball, a tight end across the middle. For Justin, he kind of used everything that was available. It was ultra impressive. The thing that really impressed me more than anything, though, is you're talking about a kid who is a dual threat quarterback. And in that setting, he's only allowed to be a passing quarterback. And he was phenomenal in that setting. So he took away half of his skill set, basically, and he was still outstanding. So where, and Josh, maybe you could take us down this road here. Where does, uh, where things stand right now for Fields? I know he just visited Georgia. Uh, where's FSU in the mix for him, I guess, as of right now here in, in mid-July? I guess, where where does everything stand for the number one player in the country and as it relates to uh, to Florida State? Yeah, Florida State was able to get him on campus twice this offseason. Uh, one was a real brief visit back in April after a seven on seven tournament, him and his father stopped in for about 35, 40 minutes. And then they got him back in June. He came in for a full day of camp, which was pretty much what Florida state needed to put them right in the mix with Auburn, Florida, Georgia, and you know, the Seminoles. So they got him on campus in June. He worked out with Jimbo Fisher. Everything went about as well as it could have because a lot of his decision is going to come down to development and where he can thrive in an offense and, and being able to work with Jimbo was something that he didn't do with any other coaches up to that point. So it was a significant visit, not to say that Florida state's in the lead, but they are absolutely in a, in a great position after being late to offer, you know, they didn't, they didn't really get in the mix until April and all those other teams were already solidified in his recruitment. So that was, that was really good and well, but now they got to get him back on campus. Um, he's taken visits to Auburn and Georgia. He has Alabama coming up and the sources that I speak with, they definitely feel they're in a good spot. They feel that there's optimism that he's coming back, but I don't have a specific time frame when he would be there. So until that happens, that's kind of where I'm at in, in covering Justin Fields in terms of Florida state. And, and when does that next visit occur? When do we get to see him back on campus? Justin's not very forthcoming with information. And even the information that he is forthcoming with sometimes isn't always accurate. So while I can sit here and dig and dig and dig and try to get it out of fields, like it, that's just not realistic. So 
we're just going to keep following it. Maybe he shows up again this week at camp. He doesn't live too far away and he does have the family with the ability to get him there. So we'll keep an eye out for him at camp. I don't expect him at camp. I think if he does come in, it'll be something later because he's already done the camp thing. So if he's going to come back, it's going to be for a different experience. So that's kind of where I'm at with fields. I think we just got to take it step by step. The, the, the next step after he, you know, we find out, does he return on a visit to Florida state? Okay. When's he going to make his decision? Is it going to be before the summer ends? Is it going to be after he takes a couple visits? People I speak with, I don't think anybody thinks he's in a rush to make a decision. Um, I think my gut says he probably takes a couple official visits and makes a decision sometime into his senior year. But like I said, just take it step by step from here. Yeah, and talking to him at uh, the opening and talking to people that know him and his father, his father is very involved in the process at the opening and uh, subsequent conversations. I definitely agree with Josh. I don't think the timeline's rushed. I mean, I could see him reaching a point where he just decides, you know, this place is right and he would go ahead and do it. I think he's that kind of kid where if he's wholeheartedly sure, he's not going to stretch it out just for the hell of it or dramatic fashion. But I think he truly wants to take more visits. I think he wants to return to FSU. I think the schools that are primarily in it at this point are FSU, Georgia, Auburn, and to a lesser degree, Alabama, and I guess we should include Florida. But I don't really feel like Florida's a top contender right now for him. Um, but I do think a couple of official visits occur. I think he's a kid that will go to at least midseason before we see him actually pop. Now, you know, he could do it in August before officials, but I don't think that is a preference at this time. I think the preference is to use a couple officials. I think yeah. that's the preference of him and members of his family who are involved in this. Yeah, and if something were to happen, like say at the end of the week we hear that Justin Fields is going to make a decision in two weeks, that's bad news for Florida State. I mean, just because you can tell where he's at coming off these visits to Auburn and Georgia. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't expect a summer decision, uh, but we don't, we don't know anything because fields isn't real forthcoming with that information. He does, he doesn't like to be real exact, which I get because then, you know, so many kids make these arbitrary decision dates and then kind of feel like all the pressure because they pick some date in the middle of summer to announce their decision and feel like they have to hold it up for the fans. So I don't think fields owes that to us or the fans, but I'm just speaking in terms of like how it is dealing with Justin Fields from, from a recruitment standpoint. Well, let me ask you guys this, like as far as covering Justin Fields uh, and Chris, you, we talked a little bit about this on our ride back from, from Charlotte is, is how quiet, you know, things are from his camp. It's hard to get a read. Is this one of the tougher uh, kind of blue chip guys that you guys have covered in terms of trying to get some kind of traction on, on where he is? Just doesn't seem like there's anything that really leaks from, from his side. Um, and it seems like he's really mature in the way he's handling, handling things. Uh, it, just, it just seems like there's not a whole lot of, of concrete information that, that comes out on him regularly. Yeah, I mean, the main two people involved here are Justin and his father. He called his father his recruiting coordinator at the opening, and he, ha- he has been throughout this process. And it's not a negative connotation. His dad's helping him to organize this, helping him to figure out trips, helping him to go places, and helping him to kind of figure this all out. It's not something where the dad's being overbearing or a helicopter dad. He's not that type. He's just trying to allow his son to make an organized, mature decision. And I think that's what Justin wants to do. So unless you can crack one of those two and get a lot of info out of them, everything else is kind of hearsay or secondhand. I mean, a lot of people are running with, you know, his seven-on-seven teammates or his friends are saying this. That's all well and good. But if you've covered recruiting long enough, you know that, you know, sometimes the best friend will say something and it has absolutely no weight to it. There's just, you know, you can't handle that. You have to – it's the father. It's the kid. If you're getting it from them, it's a stone cold lock unless they're bullshit, you know, which I don't think they're doing in this process. Outside of those two, everything else is sort of, 
I think this or I thought this. It's not truly what is coming from that camp. Yeah, and and for a we've talked about this before on the podcast, but for a highly rated quarterback recruit for his recruitment to see, you know, through the summer and possibly into into this season as as Josh alluded to, uh, when when I'm putting you guys on the spot, when's the last time you guys saw a quarterback of of this kind of significance kind of be available uh heading into the season? Is that that just doesn't seem like that happens very often. Well, Eason had the whole deal down the stretch in his sure. recruitment. I, I can't remember specifics of that because FSU wasn't really involved, so I didn't worry about it a great deal. But I remember the Florida and the Georgia sites, you know, having to deal with that pretty much constantly. I think it was into December. So he's the last real high-profile one. But as far as, like, this kind of process, you know, most quarterbacks are done by the end of July, and I don't think Justin's going to be. So it's uncommon. Yeah, and and – as difficult it is to cover a recruitment where nobody speaks, it can be equally as difficult where everybody speaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you got like all these kids or all these people speaking on a behalf, you know, the trainer, the coach, uh, the parent, the kid. And then you got to factor in, you know, who's trustworthy and whatnot. So at least with fields, you know, we got plenty of sources on this, whether it be on the, on, on the kid side or, or on the college's side. And, and I think, I think we got a good pulse on it. You know, like Chris said, we don't, we don't foresee a a early end to his recruitment anytime soon, but we also don't exactly know of when everything's going to play out, including that very important return visit to Tallahassee. Yeah. People have to practice patience with it. I mean, it said at the opening, he was taking Auburn. He was taking Georgia. Chris, just stop. Chris, you realize this, this podcast is going to be posted on Knowles 24 seven and you're telling people to have patience. You're just wasting your breath. I'm just trying to change the people, buddy. (laughs) You can't change that. Conversations have to be had. (laughs) Chris is just starting a dialogue and I think that's very healthy. Uh, It is kind of funny though. Like, when we first started doing this podcast, I don't know, two months ago or so, three months, whenever it was, like one of the big topics was seemingly was was Justin Fields, and it was kind of comical at first because we're saying, you know, Florida State's kind of evaluating the quarterback board and kind of letting things happen, and now all of a sudden uh, we're here in, in mid-July, and uh, Will Levis just committed, or is it Levis? Levis, I butcher it every time, but he just committed to Penn State, and that was kind of seemingly Florida State's backup plan. Is it safe to say, like, now at this point, it's Justin Fields or, or bust for Florida State in terms of quarterbacks and, and this recruiting class? I think since mid-April, it's been Justin Fields and only Justin Fields. There's been other names, Jace Reuter, Will Levis, other guys that we've discussed, but the truth is FSU wants Justin Fields. They value him very highly. Now the entire recruiting industry thinks that highly of him too. It's pretty clear that's a guy. It's sort of Fields or bust. And I think it's sort of been that way now for three plus months. Yeah, I agree. I, I called Chris this morning. We're, you know, I've been on kind of out of the, out of the loop over the weekend off the grid, North Carolina. And I called Chris and I was just like, tell me your thoughts on, on, on who all is on the quarterback board right now. And he goes, I think it's just Justin Fields. I said, yeah, <laughs> I said, I think I agree. I said, I just want to make sure I'm not missing something. So, um, it, you know, we're going to have another camp. The camp visitor list is, is what it is. It's a expected visitor list. There's always more kids that show up at, at, at every single position than we have listed. It just, it's been like that for the seven years that we've covered camp. So just because we only have one you know, new QB prospect coming in for 2018 doesn't mean that there's only going to be one. I'd be willing to bet there's, there's, you know, probably one or two that we're not, 
we're not counting on that, that will be there. That'll, that'll be a focal point of the week. So we'll just see how it plays out, but it'll be, I'd be kind of surprised if we head into say August or September with Justin Fields being the only QB on the board. FSU always has a plan B. I mean, Marcus Lewis, who just transferred, is a great example of a plan B. He's a kid that got to visit, if I recall, in his recruitment, either the spring or the summer. Things were really quiet with him in the fall. And then here comes signing day. They need an IDB. They sign him. They sort of always have somebody that they're considering, thinking about, involved with, but maybe to a lower level. I mean, Virtus Brown, who committed here, sort of falls into this category. You know, prior to his visit and his commitment, he'd been really quiet with FSU, but they'd been continually involved. So I don't think it's one of these things where Fields does commit to a Georgia, to an Auburn, that FSU is going to be caught with their pants down. They're going to have an idea of who that next guy is. I just firmly believe right now their guy is Justin Fields. I feel like the next guy is truly only if Justin Fields doesn't come here. I, I just wonder if that plan B could realistically, and I know Josh said there could be another quarterback pop up in this class on the board, but if, if you don't get Justin Fields, if then plan B becomes you put all your focus into 2019, do you go back to Grant Cannell and start trying to get in his ear and, and recruit him more heavily? Like I just don't know if there's any other 2018 guys right now. You would know better than I would. But it's Well, you can like put failures out to those guys that uh, you know go to schools that have uh, coaching situations that may get mm-hmm. interesting. That's where the second season starts. That's where the second season of quarterback recruiting starts is once the season plays out, we find out who's on the hot seat, who's coming and going. So there's always like, I mean, I hate to steal a line from Chris, but you do got to have some patience. Josh, you're These wasting your time. You know where this out. is going to be posted. It's going to be on Knowles 247com You're wasting your breath, man. Like, I, I don't think Cade Fortin's an FSU target. I don't think they'd circle back on Cade Fortin, but he's a Texas A&M commit. Everybody knows someone's on the hot seat if they're not successful. He's been to FSU before. He's from an area FSU recruits, Atlanta, Georgia area. So, you know, things line up. He's a guy that could potentially emerge as a, uh, you know, November, December type target if things change in college station. He's just an example. I'm not saying they're going to go after Cade Fortin. But, you know, you always have kind of that burden in the hand where you got to plan and look ahead three, four months. It's like Major League Baseball trades when you're training for prospects. You're not trading for next week. You're trading for two, three years down the road. In recruiting, sometimes you're thinking about things two, three months down the road, which is sort of an eternity in recruiting. All right. So quarterback recruiting summed up, uh, as both Josh and Chris said patience guys all right we'll try to try to practice it if we can um because it's gonna still there's still a lot that needs to be played out all right moving forward uh since the last time we had a podcast florida state lost a commitment from running back james cook uh ranked in the top 50 nationally you know a guy who obviously has bloodlines uh dalvin cook's little brother um before we get into to that specifically then florida state also got a commitment from a top 200 uh, nationally center uh Virtus brown um uh, let me ask you guys this. If you're Florida State, who's more important to have in the class, James Cook or Virtus Brown? Brown. Oh. Uh, yeah, Brown. I mean, with what Florida State has on their roster, um, uh, at both running back and offensive line, I think you know Brown's probably more important take. That's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought about that. Just Cook's put, incredibly talented. I yeah. mean, he's very good, but FSU's got a boatload of running backs. Do they need another running back? No. Did they want another running back? Yeah, because they're greedy. 
you know, James Cook hadn't visited this year, decided other pastures were greener. I think some of it is he doesn't want to be in his brother's direct shadow at FSU. I don't really fault him for that. You know, he went ahead and did it. It's done. I don't think it circles back on FSU. The Brown kid's a talented interior lineman. He could play any of the three interior spots. Anytime you got a guy with size, ability, and people at IMG are very high on him, then you go ahead and you take it. You know, that's much more valuable. And plus, FSU has no issue recruiting running backs. I mean, that's clearly evident over recent history. Right. On the other line, you just stockpile until you, you know, you have no more space to fill. Because, hell, half of them aren't going to pan out. And that's not an FSU thing. That's a college football thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's why I posted the question because it seems like just based on recruiting rankings and stuff uh, from the guys who Florida State's gotten in the last couple of years at running back, uh, they're in a good spot there. And offensive line clearly has been a little bit more unstable or unstable. And, and last year specifically, you know, Florida State didn't come in, come up with a whole lot of offensive linemen. So getting uh, you know beefing up on the line is important. Um, that being said, like I feel like you know if you're Florida State, you want James Cook. Um, does that one sting just a little bit more to the fan base because? He is a cook because yeah he, he had the name and he had been committed for a while. For yeah. sure, anytime there's a long term relationship, it's it's tough to break up. Aw. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much more there is to say about James Cook. I mean, it had been something that that you guys had talked about possibly you know, kind of being in the works for for a while, right? That wasn't a huge surprise, Josh. Well, I wouldn't say it was in the works for a while. I'm I'm you know my stock. Uh, response to whenever people ask me about James Cook and whether or not there was anything to be concerned about with other programs. I always said this. I said, he's got that Cook DNA in him and nothing he does would surprise me. Obviously has a great relationship with Florida State and and his brother had had an unbelievable run there and everything ended as positively as it could have. But that being said, James and Dalvin are just different, different types of of humans. I mean, they could, uh, just nothing was unexpected in his recruitment. And let's not say, you know, James is a great player, but to say James is going to be Dalvin is, is just impossible to say to, to Dalvin was the best running back to ever play at Florida state, a historically great college for, for athletes and running backs. So for, I don't think Florida state fans should feel like they're losing the next Dalvin cook. I mean, you know, James, that's all, that's a huge, those are huge footprints to leave. And, uh, I don't know if anybody will fill them, let alone James cook. Yeah. And it, it was trending the way of a potential backing off the pledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the April visit to Georgia. He posted something on social media. He doesn't do that very often. His mom's all in on Georgia. I mean, she's made public comments that make it abundantly clear that she is. So it was kind of one of those things where he hadn't shown up in Tallahassee and he showed up in Athens and really liked it. And, you know, Del McGee's telling him he can be Reggie Bush and he's buying it, whether it's true or not, he's buying it. And, you know, they opened his eyes. He's going to visit a few places. I don't think it's a slam dunk to Georgia. I do think they're the most likely, but I expect him to visit Louisville, LSU, potentially a few others. And Chris, when you saw him at the opening, this is when he was still committed to Florida State, you wrote that, that, the Reggie Bush, uh, I don't know if it was Marshall Falk, but I feel there's a couple of running backs that you mentioned that that, that comparison uh, was probably a little bit over over the top at the time. Is that what you kind of saw during your evaluations? Yeah, James is good at catching the ball, but he's not like insanely special as a guy that could just be a slot receiver. You know, and it's just it's filling a kid's head with some dreams and some other stuff. And uh, 
I don't know. I I kind of walked away and was like, you know, that kid's going to walk into a college program. He's not going to be Reggie Bush. It's going to be a quick, you know, hey, you're here now. Now you're going to play like we really want you to. He's going to be lightning to Zamir White's thunder. If he goes to Georgia, he'll be the speedy guy out of backfield. But he's not Reggie Bush. All right, so uh, so let's move on then from uh, from stuff that's kind of happened in the past. So we'll we'll spin it forward now for you guys. And uh, Josh, do you want to fill us in about a, uh, a wide receiver target that's going to be visiting Florida State in the in the pretty near future? Yeah, uh, Armwood four-star wide receiver Warren Thompson informed me. I think we we put it out last week, midweek, that um, he'll be coming in for a visit to Florida State. Now, most remember Warren Thompson is the wide receiver that visited in April, named Florida State as leader, and had been saying for a while, yeah, I just need to get my mom back. I just want to get my mom up and show her everything at FSU, and it sounded like, you know, once that happened, it would be a done deal. Well, him and his mom did take a visit, but that visit was not to Tallahassee. It was to Eugene, Oregon. And he went out to Oregon with his mom. And guess what? Four days after he got back from the visit, he committed to Oregon. So he grew up a Florida State fan. He took that visit. The Knowles led. And all of a sudden, he's an Oregon commitment. And then the shit hit the uh, fan on the Knowles 24-7 message board. Oh, did Josh, it? I, I didn't Josh see doesn't want to admit that. It's just the Armwood cur- curse. You know, I, I, I have a shirt on now that says I'm cursed by Armwood. I... Spoke to him. I sent him a text and I said, Hey, just checking, but are you going to be at FSU camp next week? And he said, yes, I'm, yes, I'm coming in to visit. And I was like, Oh, so are you going to camp? He said, no. And I said, who are you coming with your parents? And he said, yes. So I then saw him at, I was taping something for bright house and they were doing an uh, armwood commercial for, for their game of the week or something. And I asked him what day he's coming up and he said, Tuesday. So I expect him on campus tomorrow. Of course, I'll text him in the morning and just confirm that he is visiting, but this is big news for Florida state because we've seen a lot of commitments go, go the other way and Florida state really doesn't follow up. We've seen Justin Watkins flip. We've seen uh, Joshua Moore. We've seen a lot of guys, and Florida state kind of backs off. Well, Dossie's remained in contact with Thompson and now it looks like him and the family are coming up. So we'll see if he gets as emotional off of this visit as he did Oregon, but I included him as one of the six guys that we could potentially see a commitment from this week. Not saying that we expect it, but you know how it goes. I mean, visits, breaking news, it, Josh Newberg says Warren Thompson to commit at Florida state this weekend. Woo! I've been crazy. Hey, look, Willie Taker <laughs> calling Josh right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh, do you want to go over the list of the six, or at least a couple guys that you think um, you know Florida State fans should keep a keep an eye on? You guys should read it if if you haven't already. I don't know if you want to go into all of it because it's VIP, but but at least maybe yeah, a couple there's names. a bunch of wide receivers on there, and then the one the one that um, we also included was defensive tackle Jerry Johnson. Uh, Chris, do you want to speak on Johnson a little bit? Jeffrey Johnson, yeah, Jeff- talented kid from Brookhaven. FSU was his first offer. He's blown up. I think he's got about 20 at this point. He's got some of the big hitters, you know, the Bamas of the world, of course, the two in-state schools. Talented kid. He came in, uh, I think it was a junior day, is yeah. when he offered back in February, and he loved it. He he was super impressed, and truthfully, he walked out of the moor and sounded like a kid who was on the verge of popping. Since then, he slowed down a little bit because the school was coming in hot and heavy. He's coming back. I think it will be interesting. I think if he works out and does well, FSU might push for the close. You know, a guy like Tron Vincent is a guy they love at D-tackle, and they're going to recruit him till the end. 
But in talking to him at the opening, I don't see him flipping from Ohio State. I'm not even convinced he takes a visit other than Ohio State. So I don't think FSU can bank on just waiting, waiting, waiting. I think Jeffrey Johnson, Dennis Briggs are a couple of talented big body guys that if FSU can close on, they're going to try to close on. And Briggs is talking like a kid who's going to wait. Jeffrey Johnson's kind of left it open when he'll decide. I think a really good visit, you know, get back, see what he really liked, and have the camp element. There's a chance FSU could close the deal there. All right. To clarify, we have camp on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You guys want to explain to to the audience. I know we talked a little bit, little bit about it last podcast, but for those who who haven't, like, what your coverage of the camp is, basically, like how you guys go about the those three days coming up. Well, we're going to have kids rolling through here from Tuesday to Sunday. I know Owen Popo told me he's coming Saturday, Sunday. Josh, of course, talked about Warren Thompson coming Tuesday. There's going to be a mix of other kids that show up before and after. So we're busy, really, for about a six, seven-day period. But the actual camp, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's a Wednesday afternoon session, Thursday morning and afternoon session, and Friday morning session. Camp is basically a lot of three-day kids. Those are the ones that pay the bills. And then you have the kids that come in for the one-day camp. And those are the ones that are – High-level prospects most of the time. The guys at FSU is trying to land, trying to offer, trying to evaluate. Um, camp is intense. It's busy. I mean, it's really only about 90 minutes to two hours of a true workout with each session, but they get after it. It's every second of that time it's really being used. You're going to see a guy, you know, depending on his position, doing everything that is asked of him at that position. He's working with the prospective position coach. Um, it also provides an opportunity for the kids up on a golf cart, get a tour of the campus, go sit up in Jimbo's office and speak with them, you know, maybe sit with an assistant coach and watch a little film or speak with them at in depth. So it's really like an extended unofficial visit where the school's also able to kind of get their hands on the kid and see, is this a kid that's going to make us a better football team? Is this a kid that we want? So that's kind of my version of it. I'm sure I forgot something that Josh can throw into. Yeah, it's basically their opportunity to put the kids through drills that are specific to what they're going to need them to do if they were to go to Florida State. Um, like Chris said, people, I think for the for the for the fans that aren't actually out there now, we are on the field with anywhere from 250 to 300 prospects or recruits or high school athletes, I should say of those 300. Yeah. Recruits is used loosely. And, and of those 300, I don't know, sometimes there's 25 to 30 that Florida state's really looking at sometimes more. I, what do you think, Chris, usually between anywhere on the low end, maybe 20 to as maybe as high as 50. Yeah. Usually 20, usually that, 2018 and 2020. Usually that second day this week, it will be Thursday. It's Thursday. kind of a moving day. And we're going to see, you know, over that entire day span between workouts and kids showing up probably 35 to 50 major, you know, talented major, kids, major D1 right. prospects. But there's a lot of kids on the field. It's really hot. Uh, there's a lot going on. Florida State does a hell of a job organizing this thing and keeping it running. Um, every year they do a great job. The players contribute. So uh, as of two years ago, the NCAA allowed the the current team players to come out and coach and be paid for that. So you see, what do we, we counted like 50 or more current players on the field at any given at, practice? At least 55 total last last time and and i think we missed a couple too so there's a lot going on man there's a lot of people on those fields between the 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 kids participating the coaches the media the parents are out there it's it's organized chaos but it's, it's great fun. i mean it's it, fun. 
it, it's enjoyable. And this camp, I feel like receivers is going to be one of the highlights of this camp. It's enjoyable when you have a high level, high level receiver and either a high level DB or a kid that's just had a hell of a day at camp going one-on-one kind of watching that. And, you know, in June, we had the chance to watch some of those type guys with Justin Fields thrown to him. You sit there and just kind of take that in. At some point, you just kind of enjoy watching it. If you like football, it's the closest thing you're going to get in the months of June and July. It's better than seven on seven. No offense to Team Tampa, Jerry Jones. None taken. <laughs> uh, who who are some other names to kind of for, for people to look at? Not just even commit, but but guys that it's significant having them on campus and and like you guys said, not just on camp, but for this this whole week coming up. Well, I, I think Owen Popo and Jalen McCullough for two very important 2019. And Jay Sean Sheffield. Yes, and Jay Sean. So that's three Georgia boys, 2019, mm-hmm. all very talented. FSU loves all three of them, would take all three of them without blinking. And in a weird way, lump, lump uh, Jalen Curry in with them them too, the Texas wide receiver. Yeah, you know, he's kind of – he's tight with all those guys. Yeah, he played in the True 19 game. He got to right. know those guys. He's kind of stayed attached to them to some degree. Jalen's coming in. He's supposed to arrive sometime late tomorrow, I believe. He's spending, you know, 48 to 72 hours in town. Jalen Waddles, another receiver that Josh wrote about. He's pretty important one coming in. Um you know, and they're getting some of the commitments back in. Patrick Joyner is the guy that Miami's going to continue to try to flip. He's supposed to go see Alabama. He's coming to FSU. He's probably going to end up at Miami for Paradise Camp. So it's important that FSU keeps getting him on campus, keeps reinforcing why they want him and why he wants to be here. You know, so he's a guy that I would definitely put in that category. And then there's the possibility of, you know, a Pat Sertain or somebody like that or Justin right. showing up. Those guys are monumentally important. They're kind of the pillars of a class. But at this point, we don't have them on the visitor list. And Chris, yeah, and, oh, sorry, one, and also just to add one more name that intrigues me, somebody that I really want to see is wide receiver Sam Pinckney out of South Carolina. Um, we know Florida State's high on him. We just don't know how high Florida State is on him. And I confirm that he's coming to work out, which is good because – uh, you know, anytime Florida State recruits a kid out of South Carolina or or a program that's that's not necessarily in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, or Texas, they kind of they want to see them against better competition. They want to see them in camp. So I think maybe the, one of the reasons why Pinkney's kind of on the outside of the top group of wide receivers looking in is because Florida State hasn't had a chance to see him up close like this and, and, and he is going to work out. So I can't wait to see how he does and how he works with Coach Dossie. Yeah, and there's a fairly good chance that like Marquez Ezard pops this week. From what I understand, he's already recruit, recorded a commitment video. So, you know, I believe it's kind of one of these things where, where it's done. He's supposed to show back up at FSU. It wouldn't shock me if he pops while he's on campus. You know, if they get that, then they're at, what, three receiver commitments with him, DeMarcus Adams, and Antoine Green? Right. I think it's pretty clear at this point they will take five if they can get five. They have enough talented guys on the board. But the interesting thing will be to see if they just kind of keep stockpiling, exceed five, and then figure it out down the road. Who are the five best? Yeah, and because you also got Justin Ross coming in this week. Well, five-star wide yeah. receiver. We Ross told me at the opening that him and his mother would be coming in for a July visit. Right. Thought it would surround the camp. There's a possibility it could be after camp. I right, and I'm, I'm just talking more in terms of the wide receiver board, not, not just camp. But And that's a situation where he's probably a long shot. But if you're the FSU staff, I mean, he's, he continues to show up. He visited in the spring. Now he's making a return visit with his mother. You got to believe if you're the FSU staff that you also got a chance to get him on campus again for an official visit, if not an unofficial as well during the season. So 
all those visits kind of add up. There's no way if you're on FSU staff that you could, you know, count out Justin Ross at this point. Wide receiver has been a hot point with the fan base, and it's completely understandable why, because of the depth chart and the lack of success last year in recruiting it outside of Terry and Matthews. So I think after this week, we'll have a pretty good idea of where FSU stands with landing receivers in the 2018 class. And, you know, they got a shot of adding a 2019 kid in Jalen Curry, too. He's a kid that's very, very high on FSU and coming in with the parents. You know, very serious about it. He's a guy that if Grant Gannell committed, I think he would have committed 10 minutes later. Like, I firmly believe that. But I believe he would also commit to FSU without Grant Gannell. I think he likes FSU that much by itself. He is good friends with Grant, and that's why I mentioned him. But, you know, it will be interesting to watch. I think we're going to see at least one, if not maybe two or three receivers over a two-year span potentially pop in the next couple of days. And you mentioned a name as we're talking about wide receivers. So I guess we could backtrack for a second. It's Antoine Green is a guy who committed uh, since we've done our last podcast. So what were your guys' thoughts on him? I honestly, I, I liked him a little bit more than Demarcus Adams. I was a little bit more excited about his upside um, than the other wide receiver commit for Florida State. What did you guys think of Green? Good size, good talent. You know, I don't think he's a Warren Thompson type. I got asked that, in fact, today he committed to compare the two, and I said that I just simply thought Thompson was a more talented, well-rounded receiver. But he's a good football player, and they need receivers. If they have a kid work out who they like, they can't say no if they're willing to offer him. It's just it would be foolish at this juncture to do that. It would be better for FSU to get seven receiver commitments, and if they need to, weed it down to five than to have three and be begging for two at the end. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, and I don't, it, Antoine Green was somebody that, to be honest with you, Florida State should have offered a long time ago. I don't think that he came to camp and, and surprised anybody. I mean, here's a guy that had offers from Ohio State and, and several other programs. So while he was new to Florida State fans radar, uh, this is a guy that, that had been doing it for a while at a really high level. And like Chris said, I don't think he's a true number one in this class, I think as long as he's not the top wide receiver committed, then it's, then it's going to be, you know, a good group of wide receivers, but Antoine green can do some things. I think he's a, uh, impact player down the road, maybe not right away. And, and a guy that Florida state definitely wants to hold on to in this class. Yeah. And Trickett Trickett liked him. He went to see mm-hmm. him in the spring, went to see him a couple of times. He had FSU heavily on him. To me, it sort of reminded me of kind of Carlos Becker's recruitment where Trickett was, you know, vouching for a kid and it was just a matter of getting everybody on board. I think that's why he kind of had to come to camp. F- FSU's weird sometimes with all we want to offer in person, but it pays off. A kid like Israel Mukuamu, who I expect to commit in a week to FSU, he's a kid that they liked, but they waited for a camp to offer. But the weird thing, but look at like Jace Reuter. They offered Jace Reuter and then he comes to camp and they don't. I mean, you and I saw Jace Reuter. He wasn't not an FSU caliber quarterback. So they go ahead and offer Reuter, but not DTR fields early. It's just in specific to Reuter. I think it was in part to make sure he showed up to camp. I think they did truly want to see him at camp from a talent athleticism standpoint. So he kind of had to offer to attract him in. Well, I mean, he walked in the door at FSU on the verge of committing to North Carolina. So, you know, and he did commit to North Carolina in a couple yeah. of days after that. So it was kind of unknown. But, yeah, it is weird at times. I mean, Channing Tendall is a kid who I left Oregon with no doubt in my mind he could play on any D1 roster at any school. He's awesome. He's a three-down linebacker, super talented, very impressive. He's probably the kid that I walked into Oregon knowing not a whole hell of a lot about and left like, my God, this kid can play ball. 
And, uh, you know, similar to another, uh, linebacker that we often talk about that Florida state drag their feet on sky Moore. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a better version of sky Moore. I love sky Moore, but like with the sky Moore, it was a very talented linebacker class. I believe that was the same class. I got Matthew Thomas. And if I remember correctly, so I understood them kind of winning there. They're not currently in a position with linebackers outside of Amari where they should be, you know, dragging their feet. Right. I, I am interested to see if Rosendo Lewis shows up to camp. He's a South Florida linebacker. He told me he wasn't coming up, but he's kind of flaky in that sense where he may just show up. Um, he's a kid that I'd like to see in the camp setting, I'd like to see if he mm-hmm. can do something. I think he's a two down linebacker. I don't love those types. I'm more a guy that likes a guy that can be on the field in all situations. So I think a guy like Tyndall is better, but FSU's going to be jumping into the Tyndall pool a little late and they're competing with a school that's right down the street from his house in South Carolina. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to see some movement there. I think that and wide receiver are two spots that put pictures going to clear up a great deal for us. All right, guys, so we got wide receivers to kind of focus on this week, linebackers, anything else as we kind of conclude the podcast here uh, that people should be looking for uh, at at camp coming up in in the next few days? I think like Chris said, just that big headline visitor, whether it be Patrick Sertain, Micah Parsons, Justin Fields, like I just feel like we're – I just feel like something like that's going to pop at this camp, and and that's why it's so fun to go to – we don't, we don't act like we know everybody that's coming in. We try to do the best that we can and confirm it directly with the kids that are coming, but that doesn't always happen. And, and there's always going to be surprises. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting up there this week. Yeah. FSU is closing in on the territory where they're going to add a few commitments. They're going to push that number to like 16, 17 for their class. And we're going to get to the point, we're going to get to the point where they're going to be focusing on the best of the best to kind of finish mm-hmm. things up, you know, the fall recruiting battle. So if they can get some inroads with some of those kids, adding to the guys Josh mentioned, I'd throw William Burns in there. I think Burns is yep. a difference maker at offense. Absolutely. Tackle. He and told me at the opening he was hoping to make it back by in July. Well, William visits a lot of places. He gets around. He just was at Bama. I know he's trying to get back to UF for Friday Night Lights. So I think an FSU visit on Wednesday or Thursday or even Saturday is a possibility too. All right, guys. Good stuff as always. I'm glad we were able to kind of get the gang back together and, and catch up and uh... – Hopefully, uh, hopefully the next few days are not too hectic for you guys, but I'm sure you're going to be uh, sweating your asses off. I will be with the future in-laws, so, uh, so wish me luck there, all right? Peace. Good luck. All right. Thanks for joining the Nose 20. Yeah, excuse me. What a what a I'm I'm sticking the landing here. <laughs> Thanks for joining the Knowles twenty four seven podcast, guys. I'm Brendan Sinone. Uh, for Chris Nee and Josh Newberg. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.